Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. The regular season is here, and I bet you're really into basketball because you're listening to this, and it's time for you to get into the action with a uh, online sports book by the name of BetDSI.com. They have over 20 years in the business. They're safe. They're top-rated. I play there. BetDSI.com has a great special for you, the Mavericks fan. Sign up today and get $10 for free. And you can wager it on whatever you want. They just want you to try their, try their service. BetDSI is also offering a 100% bonus on your first deposit. Whatever you put in, they match. They have great customer service, fast and easy payment on winnings, hundreds of basketball and football wagers to choose from, UFC, even Trump versus Clinton. If you're into that kind of game, you can bet on the election if you'd like to. BetDSI.com even has live in-game wagering on football, basketball, and other major sporting events. You can play and bet virtually everything at BetDSI. Go to BetDSI.com now. That's BetDSI.com. Go there now and use the promotional code MAVERICKS10 to get your free wager and start winning today. That's MAVERICKS10 for your free wager. Go there, do it, BetDSI.com. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome into Locked On Mavericks for October 26th, which would be opening day. My God, we made it. Uh, I'm Mike Marshall at Machine Sports on Twitter, if you are into that kind of thing. Uh, Jake, I gave Jake the day off. He's too excited for the game. His stomach's in knots. His little tiny ferret stomach is in knots. Um, so what I did is I uh, had a nice long conversation with a one of our friends, that works for the Mavericks, that works for Mavs.com, Bobby Carella. And touched on a couple of topics, including uh, you know the Mavs cut down to 15 players. He knows those guys better than anybody. He's a really sharp dude. Um, I think you'll enjoy my conversation with Bobby. And a uh, little bit of a season preview angle to it uh, on the opening day of the Mavs 2016-17 season. And uh, thank you for listening to Locked On Mavericks. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team. It's every single day. And we try and bring you interesting stuff like this. Can't wait for the uh, the game to get underway. Can't wait to review the game on tomorrow's episode with Jake and see what we've got in our hands here. See what this 16-17 uh, team looks like. Are all the things that we assumed true? Are we right to freak out about Harrison Barnes? Is Bogut going to be the game changer that we assumed? All that kind of stuff. But first, let's get you ramped up with a uh, nice long interview with Bobby Carella of Mavs.com. I hope you enjoy it, and thank you for listening. Feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. And uh, I'll go ahead and get the hell out of the way. 
they all enjoy it, and we'll talk to you tomorrow after the Pacers uh, road opener for the Dallas Mavericks. entire intro i was gonna call you the corolla bear i'm sure you've never heard that before sorry to disappoint you <laughs> bobby corella of mavs.com what's your exact title now i'm the digital content reporter just general badassery if that works too <laughs> perfect well thanks for joining me man yeah thanks for having me we've uh, we've known each other for a minute played some hoop together bounced basketball ideas off each other yep and uh i really enjoy this time of see the uh the season because i get to see people like you I get to see all my basketball friends, all my real friends. I get to line up and talk to them about hoops. So uh, really appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem at all. Looking forward to it. Um, at Bobby Corella, K-A-R-A-L-L-L-A, if you got that right. Bobby Corella on Twitter if you want to follow him. We'll, uh, we'll break down what this roster looks like after the cuts. But uh, first of all, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because I know the Dallas Mavericks are not going to finish under... 38 wins. I agree with you. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why. Oh, I know why. I think I know why. It's because they're boring mm-hmm. and they don't have much upside. Like, what's the best case scenario for the Mavs this season? You're probably not eclipsing 50 wins if every single thing goes right. Yep. So people are bored of them and they want to say they're going to be awful. It's just like last year where people were like, oh, they might be 13th uh, in the West or some people had not picked us 16th. And I'm like, they have no incentive to tank last year. Like, what are you talking about? Um, so I guess give me your uh, your ideas on the over-under win total set at 38.5 and why people are being borderline insane about the Mavericks. I agree with you on the boredom part. I think that it's kind of like with uh, the Cubs and baseball, only the inverse. Whereas for the Mavs, every year it's this is the year. This is the year they finally don't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. This is the year they finally have a losing record. This is the year Dirk finally slows down. And it's just never happened yet. So it's kind of like, it's almost the definition of insanity is just saying the same thing every year and expecting mm-hmm. a different result. And the Mavs, until they don't make the playoffs, I'm going to still think they're going to be a playoff team because it just happened that way every year except for the one year where Dirk was hurt. Right. There's so very few like constants and hard, fast rules in the NBA. And I think you have to live by them because they've been, it's been a, however long since Rick's been here, what, eight, nine years now? Mm-hmm. Rick plus Dirk is 40 wins. And then you start piling on top with what else you can add to the team. Yep. And I don't feel like people that watch this team all the time realize that, you know, because I've seen them drag themselves to 41 wins when they had no business doing it. The, the beard year. Yeah, the beard year. But, I mean, on the flip side of that, you know, we can be on the inside of, and be around the team every day and watch other games or whatever and just snicker at all these people who are wrong. Mm-hmm. But from the outside looking in, could you ever imagine thinking like the Dirk Berea pick and roll is one of the best one-two punches in the entire NBA? Right. You know, like yeah. there aren't many guys who do it better than them. But if you never watch this team, you would never think that little little JJ and mm-hmm. old Dirk is going to be any good, you know? Yeah. So I can kind of see both sides of the aisle here. Uh-huh. No, it's going to be super annoying whenever people are getting torched by a JJ Dirk yeah. pick and pop. Can you imagine rooting nights. for another team and watching that work? Oh, my gosh. I mean, those guys, they score 20 points a game together yeah. just with that one play. Exactly. And then uh, 
I think the other thing that we talked about was people assume that every top 10, top 20 player in the league is going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Every, every, every franchise superstar is going to make the playoffs. Mathematically, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, that ain't going to work. <laughs> like, Carl Towns had a great rookie year, so mm-hmm. Minnesota must be about to win 50. Yes, exactly. Like, it, it doesn't happen so linearly like mm-hmm. that. You know, the Mavs, even with Dirk, it took them, what, three or four years to make the playoffs, and they yeah. had Dirk and Nash and Finley. So just because you have one good guy, just because you have Towns or Anthony Davis or whoever in the East, I don't mm-hmm. even know. But, <laughs> Porzingis or yeah, something. Porzingis. Yeah, Porzingis. That doesn't mean you're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, there are good players who don't make the playoffs every year. Yep. There is something to the notion of you have to learn how to win, even yeah. though that might not be a statistically mm-hmm. proven thing. I mean, we see it with Dirk. Mm-hmm. The team with Dirk is going to make the playoffs, even though Towns is a better player. I'm not sure Minnesota makes the playoffs this year. Right. I think there's like a couple really great examples of that, one being like Milwaukee and how much talent they have. Yeah. They just don't know how to take like a Wednesday night in Sacramento serious and just take care of that team. That's probably a bad example because Sacramento's bad too, but yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I just there's games that veteran teams will win mm-hmm. and they'll take care of business in. And that's what that's the difference. It's those like five games. Yeah, exactly. It's that five that group of five games on your schedule where you say like I have no reason to be amped for this game. I have no reason to compete my hardest for this game, other than obviously I'm getting paid a large sum of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still need this win if we're supposed to be, we're going to be where we're supposed to be. Yeah, it's the second night of a back-to-back against mm-hmm. the Lakers. Yeah, you got to go out and win that game. Mm-hmm. You just you got to go out and beat D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, you know, and some teams just can't do that. Or you go on a four-game road trip, you come back home, and you have the the Hornets and the Grizzlies, like you got to win those games. Yeah. Even though you just were on the road for two weeks or whatever, you got to come home and take care of business. Mm -hmm. And that's what, over the course of 82 games, that is what separates Minnesota from Dallas and from Denver, from Sacramento, all those teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we just played on, uh, you know, raw talent and raw athletic ability, like, yeah, that'd be fun, I guess for a minute, but (laughs) that's not how it works. Yeah. Not at all. It's like, and Rick's really great at this. Um, as much as it might drive me insane, like in the middle of it, like whenever he wasn't playing Farouk uh, a couple years ago and whenever he would like uh, Brandon Wright would disappear at times, he knows there are going to be waves of the season. You go into a game, you go into a season thinking every single, all t- all 82 of them are going to be the same exact formula. Just roll your best out there, do this. It's not that way. Like mm-hmm. there are waves. There are guys that are playing hot, guys that are ready to contribute, guys that are developing into a new skill set like AFA a couple years ago, uh, maybe Justin Anderson this year. Um, and there's these waves of the season that you don't account for at all. And there's obviously injuries. And like J.J. last year, stepping in and lighting it up and winning games we weren't supposed to win with J.J. Barea starting at point guard. Playing like Steph Curry. Yeah, man. Even, you can say. Yeah, I mean, it just takes an unbelievable amount of focus for six months in order to win... 42 games even or 45 games or 48 games or whatever it takes to make the West playoffs that year mm-hmm. and even though last year was a down year in the West the Mavs still found a way to creep in at the last second yeah and they beat out who I guess Utah yeah they finished what seven and three in the last 10 seven and two it, in their last nine yeah, yeah to, out, to finish sixth and yeah, they made the playoffs by I think two games mm-hmm. but uh but yeah Houston or Utah pardon me is another example of a team who they look like they're more ready to take the leap than Minnesota because mm-hmm. they added those guys, Joe Johnson, Boris Dio, yeah. who have been there, done that, and who, quote-unquote, know how to win. Yeah. I'm and, worried about them. Like people need, I, th- I feel like people need to tap the brakes a little bit on Utah because Hayward's going to be out for an extended amount of time, and then Favors isn't playing in the opening, opening night or maybe opening week. I don't know. 
and how long do they survive? Obviously, they're probably, I don't know, deepest or second deepest team in the West. Mm. Like, their 15 is... If Rodney Hood's your fourth best player, like you're, yeah. in, you're in good shape. You yeah, know? that dude's legit. Yeah, but uh, I think, well, the the godfather of this podcast, David Locke, he's mm-hmm. been tweeting about the Jazz, actually. He's a great Twitter follower, yeah, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, he was just tweeting about the Jazz schedule. Like They weren't going to be very good at the beginning of the season anyway, mm-hmm. but their second and third month is much easier than their first month. So it's kind of like if you can just be 500 or just two or three games under by the time Hayward gets back, Yeah, that's whenever you can kind of start to build yeah. that momentum. And hopefully you... Um, are comfortable enough sliding him in there and it doesn't take an adjustment period. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Rodney Hood hasn't taken over his role and now Rodney Hood has to stand over there and do nothing for a little while. Yeah, well, and Hayward's in a contract year too. So yeah. it's like, is he going to be all right with his role or is he going to mm-hmm. want a little more? Or what's going to kind of go on there? Very true. I and noticed today the Mavs early schedule is pretty, pretty kind in, ser- in terms of timing. Yeah. I haven't looked at – I think it's bad in terms of <laughs> really awful teams that they played. I think they only played like six over the first uh, – End of October to the end of uh, November. Mm-hmm. I think there's only six teams that finished under 500 last year, but they only have what two back to backs? I think. Yeah, I mean they month. they're pretty light as far as like games versus days, but they have a lot of road games, mm-hmm. and they're playing like Cleveland, Spurs, Warriors, Clippers, all kind of in like a two week span. Mm-hmm. So at the end of November, I mean they could be three, four, five games under 500, but that doesn't mean. Because right. then once it turns to December, it's like, all right, we got the Nuggets twice. Mm-hmm. Then it's, all right, let's play Phoenix and Minnesota four times in a week. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, it, it always evens itself out. But, I mean, that's why patience is kind of important if you're watching this team to say, okay, they're not 9-3, and three, they're 4-6. and six. What does that mean? What does that say about them? You know, how many, how many trips do you get to go on this year? I'm going to every game in December, so I get two trips oh, to wow. L.A., so okay. that's pretty cool. I get to go to Portland, so that's sweet to go to the Nike store. Yeah, and then I'm going to all the games at the end of the year. They go on like okay. six out of seven on the road, wow. and I went on that trip last year, and they won all those games. So I think it's kind of like perfect. A, yeah, Rick demanded it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get him back in. Yeah, here. he really lobbied for me. <laughs> he just pounded the table in the room and said, "We got to get him back." Yeah, yeah. He, I was uh, on the other end of the handcuff with Harrison Barnes. <laughs> it was me, Rick, and Harrison. Um. Okay, well, let's talk about some of the uh, the newer guys. I think we're pretty comfortable with what uh, Darren's going to give you, what Dirk's going to give you, and maybe even pretty comfortable with what Bogut's going to give you. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we are. I think at the beginning of preseason, we weren't didn't know quite what to expect, but uh, the roster cut down happened, and something surprising to me was not keeping Jonathan Gibson, knowing that his contract was uh, fully guaranteed this year, and knowing how injury prone. Darren and JJR and uh, Devin too. And, who is yeah, and Devin probably is not gonna, gonna play. definitely going to miss the opener. Yeah, but. he's going to miss the opener maybe a couple weeks. And I don't think I wouldn't expect anything from Devin this year. Quite honestly, like he's he does look faster in preseason. Mm-hmm. He did look a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if you're comparing him to a guy like Seth Curry, for example, right. I know you're really yeah. hyped about. I'm super hyped about too. I mean, Curry's a better shooter, better off screens, mm-hmm. probably better at running the point just because he's a little quicker. But, I mean, Harris is one of those guys who, like, he knows how to win, kind of. Right. You know, I mean, how many strip steals does he have? How many charges yeah. does he take? It's like those little things. So it's like if Seth can provide some of that, then the drop-off won't be there, you yeah. know, really. It, it might be an improvement. I think Devin's going to be really pissed this year because all the two-for-ones at the end of quarters and ends of halves, those yeah. are probably going to go to Seth. Yeah, well, in 2013-14, he was O of, I think, 18 <laughs> on those shots. So It's incredible. It's the end of an era. <laughs> right. That was going to be Seth's shots now. I'm yeah. sorry, pal. Um, so I guess talk to me about the end of the bench, guys. I didn't even get to see, what was it, 15 minutes of Finney Smith. 
in mm-hmm. the preseason, so I haven't seen hardly any of him. I don't know what he is now. I mean, you can look at his stats and you can look at his Draft Express profile and that kind of stuff. Uh, talk to me about him, Brasino, and um, I guess Hammonds are the final three down there. Okay, well, let's knock Hammonds out because we probably know more about him than the other probably. guys. So Hammonds, legitimate seven feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like 280 in college. He's yeah. trimmed about almost 40 pounds. Damn. That guy looks lean. In Vegas, at one practice, he ran from one end of the court to the other, and he was winded. And it was like, oh, my God, you know, all the stuff that they're saying about his conditioning is true. Yeah. But now, I mean, he played entire quarters in the preseason and didn't even look like he broke a sweat. So mm-hmm. I think that he's kind of rounding into shape a little bit. Um, he's really good on the post with a little turnaround hook from like 8, 10 feet. Mm-hmm. Carlisle really wants him to back guys down a little more, get closer to the rim. Uh, but he's honestly more comfortable, I think, in the mid-range anyway. I mean, he's stepping out to like 20, 22 feet and, really? and launching Jays. Yeah, and he's making them. In practice the other day, he was taking threes from the top of the arc, and he was making those two. So, I mean, he really has a jump shot. He's kind of mean. Like, when I watch this Purdue film, like, it's probably just playing, like, you know, random schools and, like, uh, the lesser of the Big Ten and stuff yeah, like, like that. But Northwestern's backup center. Yeah, not but sometimes he... He was like mean. I was like, leave that, leave that boy alone. Yeah, well, and I mean, he went up against guys like Damian Jones. He mm. went up against uh, uh, their names escape me right now. But I mean, <laughs> he in the Big Ten, you go up against a lot of big yeah. guys, and their non-conference schedule was pretty mean too. Mm. And so he played three, four NBA big men in last year's draft, and I mean, torched all of them. Yeah. He had huge games against all those guys. Mm. So I mean, I, I don't know what that tells you about a player, but in big games where scouts were watching him, he performed. Right. So I think in the D League, I mean, he could have a few like 28 15 kind of nights yeah. where he's looking like Shaq and even hitting threes mm-hmm. I mean that, that guy could be really good so I'm excited, I'm excited about him I like the long-term development just taking a flyer on that type of dude yeah because there's just not that many human beings that are like that that have that skill set and that size mm-hmm. and that mentality um, at least on offense yeah I mean long term there is part of the reason that he he slipped to the second round is because he's already 24 mm-hmm. so he's not super young he's pretty old for a big man but I mean I guess if you're the Mavericks, would you rather have a 24-year-old who's pretty polished or a 19-year-old who's super raw, mm-hmm. you know, even if they're going to get the same amount of playing time? I mean, they're probably more geared toward let's get a guy who, if he has to play, can play, mm-hmm. as opposed to let's kind of take our time with this little, you know, the younger guy who really needs to be in the D-League for the whole year. Right. Um, so, so what about Finney Smith? Okay, Finney Smith, I like a lot. Uh, that is a guy who... Would have been drafted and should have been drafted, but he and his agent agreed he's not going to be a stash guy. So he did not want to go to Europe. He wanted to be here, even if it meant D-League. But I think that he was basically betting on himself to make a roster, and he did. I mean, hats off to him. He is a guy who can defend one through four in the NBA, and that's not me saying that. That's a Mavs coach saying that. He can defend point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward in a game right now. That's a direct quote. So... I mean, that lets you know what they think about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a four-year guy, four-year starter. He's a pretty good shooter. I mean, that's kind of a different story. But defensively, he's a really smart guy, always in the right spot. He can he can muscle up with the big guys, even though he's really uh, slender. He's quick, so he can defend the smaller guys. He's a pretty good rebounder. I mean, he's, just, he's pretty good to very good at everything on defense, which I think is valuable for a guy who's you know his yeah. age. Um, and then offensively he had a little hitch in his jump shot coming out of college and I think that kind of made his shot a little inconsistent kind of same with Anderson last year Mm -hmm. but his shot is a lot smoother now he worked with Procopio and those guys to I know you're a big Mike Procopio fan oh yeah um he worked with those guys to kind of take that out so his jump shot's a lot smoother now uh takes less time to get it off he shot 40 percent in preseason from three or 38 9.8 or whatever Mm -hmm. so uh I mean he he really kind of looked comfortable and he looked 
Carlisle has a word. I forget what he says. Like, um, like his demeanor, like his, uh, his, his confident force, kind of. Yeah, oh, okay. his uh, like his his will, his Shooting, disposition. Yeah. yeah, as he caught the ball, it looked like he was about to shoot. <laughs> Not like it was like, oh my god, you know, I'm open. Right. What do I do? Uh, you know, he looked like he knew he was going to shoot, and he's he's kind of like I don't want to make this comparison because it might make some people mad. But remember, whenever Jay Crowder was a first second year player, mm-hmm. he would like be on the floor. And it seemed like he wasn't doing much, but good things just tended to happen. Yeah, for sure. But like, if you watch him on offense, he didn't stand out. But if you really paid attention, I mean, he catches it at the wing. If he's not open, he immediately passes yeah. back. Or he looks into the entry po- pass, yeah. and then he cuts. I mean, he's like he's always in the right spot and always mm-hmm. makes the right move. Mm-hmm. So that's Finney Smith. I mean, he's not going to dazzle you with anything. He's never going to have a 20-point season or anything. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he could be a guy who comes in, is – Kind of Al Farouk Aminu starter kit defensively, not as athletic, I think, vertically. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's just long, active, smart, aggressive, tenacious, and then defensively or offensively, he can shoot the three. Okay. Um, and Bersino, I know you had a – like I got most of my Bersino information from you secondhand just watching uh, the thing you posted and uh, some of the ideas you had um, and the stats that you can get that I can't get, <laughs> quite honestly. Thank you to Synergy for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm definitely intrigued um, at anybody of his size that can fill it up from three consistently. Mm-hmm. Like that's obviously you have a role in this league for a pretty long time. Um, there's a handful of those dudes already that are uh, on pretty decent contracts uh, right now. So tell me about uh, tell me about Brasino and what uh, what we should expect from him. He's a legit six eight, maybe verging on six nine uh, with a ratchet. To use <laughs> okay. a comparison. Um, in Argentina, he was a big-time ball handler. He had almost 800 possessions, and about a quarter of them came in the pick-and-roll, mm-hmm. which, again, I mean, it's it's hard to avoid the comparisons to Parsons in this sure. case because they're both tall white guys who can handle the ball on the wing. Um, but, I mean, it, he looked really good. Now, granted, he's going up against Argentinian guys, and there's only, you know, there's like one former pro in the Argentina league. Right. Otherwise, they all either play in Spain or the NBA. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. But, I mean, he looks like he knows what he's doing in, in that film in the Argentina league. I mean, mm-hmm. he looks like... I'm sizing up this guy. I know I can go around him, so I'm going to do it. And he's got the confidence to step in the three, too. And, I mean, he'll take, like, 30-footers and just kind of, you know, he's got such an easy-looking shot. So he does play with a lot of swag, uh, at least in Argentina. Now, in the NBA, that might be a different story because these are guys who are bigger and stronger and faster than him. So how much are they going to let him handle the ball right away? I don't know. Probably not much at all. But in the preseason, I mean, he's standing out there shooting threes, and, I mean, he was bombs away and he was making them. So that's already an NBA-ready skill. And for a young guy, especially in a Carlisle system, you're not going to get minutes unless you can do something at an NBA level. And for him, it's shoot the three. And uh, he works with Dirk every day after practice, too, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I saw those videos of Dirk uh, just talking smack to him. Yeah, he's calling him three. Pescado, and you know, he's calling him Fish, and he's calling him an hamburguesa. So, yeah, he's learning a lot of Spanish. <laughs> yeah, he's he's brushing up on his Spanish now. Yeah. Dirk's going to learn a new language just to... Just a crap talk for Sino. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, I mean, it's it's like total hype train for him. And obviously until he proves it, like, is this going to yeah. be hype? But yeah. I think, I mean, in the D-League, he's kind of one of those guys uh, called like the D-League test, the J.J. Beret test. Can sure. you go in the D-League and score 30 points mm-hmm. like easily? I think he is one of those guys who, I mean, on on any night against inferior competition, he could light it up for sure. Two things before we wrap this up. Um, I need a Mavs win total prediction. And I guess finish in the West if you want to get fancy. Okay. And also, um, your favorite Mavs lineup that you're looking forward to seeing on the court. Ooh, I was going to ask you that too. Uh, <laughs> what's yours first, your your lineup? Mine is 
exactly what you would think it would be. It's going to be Seth, Wes, Anderson, Barnes, and uh, center doesn't even matter, really. I'll take Salah or Dwight Powell. Okay. And just run, dude. Go crazy. Yeah, yeah my first instinct for that is Seth with the three wings and Salah and uh, just you got Salah just talking all sorts of crap on, on defense and then right. these guys bombs away on offense. I, I think watching Dirk at center with those guys would mm-hmm. be really fun. Um I don't know if it'll ever happen, and also that team, like they better score a lot if yeah. that lineup ever happens. Uh, but I think as far as like a more, like I guess intriguing stuff that could matter for eighty-two games is can Seth and D will play together? Sure, because I don't think you want Seth and Berea playing together. I don't think you. I mean, Seth and Devin probably could work, but can Seth and D will do that? Because they could even close games mm-hmm. if you need to get a stop. You can leave Seth out there, just hide him. You know, he's good for yeah. free throws and, and making threes and stuff. And then you have Wes and Barnes and Bogut to end games. I mean, I think that's a pretty good defensive lineup to close out a game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the second quarter, if Dirk is looking old or if someone's in foul trouble or whatever, you just bring Seth in for any one of those guys, no matter what their position is, and then the whole game changes. Right. So for me, it's can those two guys coexist? But then also three wings, Seth and Dirk, I think would, you know, they'd score 150 points per pos- uh, 100 possessions. All right, so win total and finish in the Western Conference. Bold prediction time. Bold prediction, okay. I'm not going to give you a precise number, but just a range. Okay. I think for them, really, if if everything falls their way, and I'm not like predicting major injuries to any other players or whatever, but mm-hmm. if, if everything falls their way, I could see them going like 44 to 46, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. I think that's fair. And I think this year that'll be enough to make the playoffs. If... Memphis, that doesn't work out. If mm-hmm. Houston doesn't really work out, and you know, if Minnesota doesn't make that leap, then they could maybe even get up a little higher than that, uh, forty-eight, forty-nine. But I think that's being a little optimistic, given, uh, you know, you can't predict injuries for them, and, and you can't predict injuries for the Mavs either. Right. So I think you know, forty-four, forty-five wins is is very feasible. As far as where that gets you in the West, probably eighth, seventh. Uh, forty-two last year was good for sixth, and I think Portland won forty-four. Heading into the last night, they were at 43, but they they won a meaningless game to get to 44, and that was good enough for fifth. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's going to be that diluted again, um, but I think the East gets a couple wins better, and I think the West is maybe a little bit tighter. So, yeah. I mean, maybe 45 gets you all the way to five. I don't know. But Yeah, I noticed the Western Conference win totals had been gradually descending. Yeah, I mean, to, it used to be if you didn't win 50, you were yeah, out. Yeah. You were out. And that's strictly because beating up the East. Like, yep. you, you have a set. <laughs> there's it, this many wins are going to happen mm-hmm. like i think it's like uh 615 if you because in there and they're like 1200 in like 30 total games or something uh, yeah like that. i think so if I you think it's, so. you could probably figure this out really easy <laughs> mm-hmm. 80, 82 times 30 yeah uh, ten, or times 15 or whatever it is mm-hmm. um so there's this many wins that are going to happen in the games these teams play and the west was killing it like they were up near 700 which is like whatever that would be uh, up way upwards of fifty percent yep. on the total, which is just taking bites out of the east, and then it's just gradually been almost five hundred now. Mm. Um, I wonder if the east is getting better, but I don't think there are that many teams in the east that I could say, yeah, that team could definitely win fifty games. You if know they I mean? were to play the west, no, or just overall, even this just season? overall. Like I think, I think Boston. Toronto, Cleveland, I could see Toronto, I don't even know if they could get fifty. Like they got fifty four last year. I yeah. was shocked. Yeah. I could not that believe it. That was nuts. That was yeah. nuts. Um so you just start looking at like where do the wins go? You know what I mean? 
and 42 last year. That's that's an anomaly, but you play to the score. Like you, if you need 42 to make it the sixth seed, then get 42. Yeah, I mean there were an uncharacteristic number of 28 win teams in the mm-hmm. West too. I mean like Denver, Sacramento, Minnesota, and I think Phoenix all finished within like two games of each yeah. other. And then in the East, Philly was at like 10 wins. <laughs> right. So I mean that just gets That'll everybody. Everyone gets two wins, you right. know, because of Philly. So uh-huh. it's just like the 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 disparity between conferences is going down. Right. I don't think because the East is better. I just think because the worst teams in the West are worse. Yeah. And no, exactly. I think too. I mean, well, I guess the East is better because there were like five forty-eight win teams mm-hmm. last year that all finished tied with each other. Yeah. But I think East teams are starting to win games at home, and mm-hmm. they're starting to whenever they go West, they're starting to beat the Lakers. They're starting to beat the Suns. Yeah. Who, I mean, for for so many years they were. I mean, right. automatic. They were like thirty-win yeah. uh, teams at home. So yeah. There's it's it's always weird looking at schedules and just overall like where do the wins come from like how do they get how do they get to this number mm. um, and whenever you start thinking about the conferences as a whole and uh, it shouldn't in the great grand scheme of things it like shouldn't matter that much but it does because you're thinking about um, how strong the East is versus how strong the West is and when the teams are bad in the West the East are going to get bumped up like the Lakers are going to be a top three pick in the lottery this year yeah and i mean they're wasn't 30 the 40 games worse than they were yeah. five years ago exactly so those wins have to go somewhere yes and i mean where is it going to go it's going to go to the team who mm-hmm. whenever they're tipping off at 10 30 their time their brains right. are still strong enough to beat a bunch of teenagers yeah you know and i love when people do like uh they'll do win totals for like western conference and they'll almost like base it on like three years ago like the win totals they got and i was like you didn't realize that's an abnormally large win percentage for the Western Conference, for they did it for like ten years straight, but now it's not that. Mm. Like you have to look at what you think. How how good do you think the West is this year? Like you have to look at that and guesstimate a win total, and then you literally have to add your win totals up for each individual team up to what you think the West will do. And a lot of people don't do that whenever they start doing predictions. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, you just added up to 750 wins in the West. <laughs> And that doesn't happen. In the East, they're adding up to 724. Yeah. So it's like okay, so everyone is going to finish above 500 this year. I think. <laughs> right. I had it down here if I can find it. It's in my notes. Let's see. Uh, last year, 622 wins in the West. That's a 505 win percentage. Yeah, there's 1,230 games are going to be played by Western Conference teams this year. So 622 wins last year for the West, which is 505. Year before that was 656. Year before that, 674. Um, so they're gradually just almost even now. Mm. Well, and, and last year, too, especially because Golden State and San Antonio took yeah. off, they took so many wins from exactly. the West. Exactly. And they're not distributed even more. Yeah, they're not distributed equally. Yeah, obviously. Um, well, awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time. Yep. Uh, Looking forward to getting follow, it going. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, follow Bobby at Bobby Carolla K A R A L L A on Twitter, and uh, check out his stuff on Mavs.com. Thanks, dude. Thank you. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. 
Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.